Welcome to the Grow to Gold podcast. On today's episode, I have Christian Calabuso, good friend of mine, VP of sales at Sunrun, an $8 billion solar company. And Christian is one of the most dynamic leaders that I've ever had the pleasure to work with. So I'm super excited to introduce him to the audience. Some of you might already know him, some of you might not, but I'm looking forward to introducing him to the community. So Christian, how are you doing today, my friend? Well, doing so good, Brett. Well, first of all, thank you so much. I'm honored to be on your podcast here. You know, I've been, one, I've known you for a couple of years now, Brett, and watching you progress over the years and finally getting to your, your podcast and really reaching out to different companies in the industry and not just your own. It's been, uh, it's been awesome to watch. I'm super humbled to uh, share some time with you today. So thank you for allowing me on and I'm excited to be with you today. Yeah, man. I'd be doing the industry a disservice if we didn't have you on here. So just got to put that out there. Appreciate but cool, let's, let's jump into it, man. I like to start from the beginning and progress through just to give everybody an idea of who you are and really frame the conversation. So where'd you grow up? What was your childhood like, man? Oh, cool, cool. So grew up in, uh, grew up in Tampa, Florida, man. I'm a, I'm a military kid. So my, uh, my dad is retired, 20 years Air Force. My stepdad, 20 years Air National Guard. Uh, sorry, flip-flop. My, my stepdad, 20 years Air Force. My real dad, 20 years uh, Air National Guard. Grew up on uh, McDill Air Force Base. And it's funny because I share that with a lot of people and I tell them, I never really saw like any violence or anything until probably seventh grade. I lived on base. You know, you go, you go on base, there's guys like machine guns and stuff. And it's super, super, uh, I guess, isolated, if you will. So grew up on base. Uh, I have three other siblings, older brother, older sister, younger sister. Um, lived there until I was 18. Went to school uh, at Eastern Michigan University. So I uh, played baseball my whole life. I uh, ended up going up there to Eastern Michigan. And keep in mind, I've never seen snow before. So that was a shell shock there in itself. I went there, had a full ride for ball. Uh, played there all four years. Uh, had a fantastic experience. Had a uh, Tommy John surgery going into my senior year. So which pursued me to, or pushed me to go pursue my MBA. Not because I was some overly ambitious Asian kid. I just uh, had some free schooling. So why not, why not go after it and uh, go get educated? So that takes me all the way through school. I love it. And being that you are probably one of the most disciplined people I've ever met, I actually didn't even know you grew up on an Air Force base. I'm assuming that's probably where a lot of that comes from, right? The structure that you grew up around? I, I, I would think so. You know, I, I, my whole life, I, again, grew up military household. So all, all I know was, all I knew was to do what I was told when I was told and uh, do it right all the time, right? Like all the way down to like my shoes being organized, like in my closet, like if my bed wasn't made properly. And I, I thank my parents for this, right? Like I, I was in a ton of trouble if those small details weren't taken care of. Like, hey, take the trash out on time, put, put it by the curb, don't, it better be straight. And I never really thought too much of those things growing up, right? I, I, don't, I don't know. I, you know, strangely enough, just more detail, grew up in a divorce household. Uh, my parents divorced when I was three. And it's funny because people will ask like, well, what's it like being divorced? And I say, well, I don't know what it's like to not, not have a divorced parent. So when you ask the question about discipline, I'd have to say, well, I don't know what it's what it would be like not to have that. So I, you know, I thank my parents and my my siblings for keeping me on the straight and narrow with with the small details. And although it was mundane and probably a pain in the butt, uh, something I'm super grateful now because you know that when it comes down to, to discipline, uh, I, that's not really an issue for me. I don't I don't mind doing the things that I said I would do. You know, the saying goes, "Long after the feeling has passed." Right? I can appreciate committing to the small details. That makes total sense. So there was no revolting at all as a kid where it's just like, let me see what I can get away with at this point. It was just like, let me fall in line and go do it. Cause I'm putting myself in your shoes and I'm like, I'm going to see how much I can get away with. That, that's the funny. It's, it's so funny that I, I've actually never had this conversation with anybody, but it's funny you say that because no, I never, like I was an athlete, you know, I started playing baseball at four years old. 
well, let's say at least through college, right? Uh, started playing baseball at four. And the whole thing for me was not only growing up on military base, but also being like a military, uh, I'm sorry, an athlete, right? My parents would always, uh, if anything, kind of hold that over my head, right? Like, hey, if you don't have good grades, you're not playing baseball. If you don't, you know, if you do this, you're not doing that. Like, you know, I was ne never really exposed to any of the, you know, ill world, if you will, you know, the bad influences until probably high school. And I was so narrowed in, no, narrowed in on baseball and thinking of getting to the next level, like, you know, collegiate athletics, that I, I never really got wrapped into that. So luckily had, had, a, had a great circle of influence, whether my siblings, you know, my parents and also my friends growing up. But no, I, I never really got off that, uh, that path. Now, don't get me wrong, but I've done some silly stuff in my life. But, you know, not, 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 not up until that point where we're discussing right now. Yeah, well, I had to pry into that a little bit because not everybody's no, 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 nobody can be perfect. And I put myself back into that childhood moment. I'm like, how much can I get away with? And it's it's funny knowing you now because this makes total sense. So let's fast forward a little bit now. So you got you said you got a full ride to school to college for ball. So the way the way baseball works is you essentially get you know 60, 70 percent, whatever it may be. The rest the rest uh, academics. You know, I did the honors through high school. I graduated with like a weighted four seven. Did fine there, right? Uh, and the rest carried me for ball. So uh, got super, super fortunate that I had a little bit of athletic ability to take me through college. I love that. All right. So you're in school right now. So fast forward through that opportunity. So you didn't end up becoming a professional baseball player because you had surgery, correct? Well, and I didn't have talent enough, right? Like you don't, well, that don't was, let that be used, but yeah. Okay. That was my question. I was going to ask you, could you have made it? You know what? It's, it's, if you were to reach out and talk to any of the guys that I played ball with, I was a closer in college, so I threw the ball hard, sat 90, 90 93, top 95 every now and then, right? But, Brett, I, I, I'm not the normal guy you'd see on TV, right? I'm, I'm five foot eight and a half. I'm um, 190 pounds, a little bit stocky, but, uh, I, I, you know, I had what they called mound presence. I can throw the ball hard, and I, I, uh, I stood my ground pretty well. So uh, my sophomore year, I had, I had some pretty good looks. Uh, going into my junior year, I was pretty hopeful, and then uh, I had the, you know, reconstructive uh, ligament surgery. So not to say that the talent wasn't there, uh, but my senior year was, was crazy. Um, if I could explain it in any way, it would be like I forgot the time. I, I, forgot, I, I forgot the process of tying my shoes. I couldn't throw a strike to save my freaking life. And to be candid with you, it's probably one of the most humbling experiences that I've experienced uh, in my athletic life, right? Probably merging into my adult life of being so good at something my, my entire life and then getting my ass handed to me my senior year as a captain, right? Not being able to throw, not being able to throw a strike. I mean, Brett, I was the first one on the field, last one off, led in the weight room, led in conditioning, led, led in practice. And coming up, I mean, my, my first game, one of the detail, but we opened up against Clemson. Uh, I get, I get pulled in the, the bottom of the 10th. Uh, I got walked, walked to you guys either which way. Uh, just wasn't a good situation. And it's almost like I forgot how to tie my shoes my senior year. And it was, uh, to be honest with you, it was, it was super sad, man. It was a really tough time for me to get through that. Cause up until then, you know, you're an athlete, that's all you have, you know, you go through school, you think you're going to make it somewhere and uh, it didn't happen. So long story long, uh, that that's what happened in college. So was it just mental? Like what caused that? That that's, I, you know, I don't know. I, I think when I look, I was a shortstop my whole life. So from four till, till my freshman year in college, I was a shortstop, you know, super quick guy, had a little pop in the bat, um, got to school and uh, I couldn't hit a curveball in college, right? That thing, that thing spins a little bit quicker once you get to the next level. So they ended up putting me on the bump. You know, I used to throw 96 across the diamond. They put me on the bump. I've never pitched before in my life, right? If, you, oh, if, if, someone heard that Christian, if someone heard that Christian was a pitcher, they would laugh at you. 
It's like, well, no, Christian throws hard, but he, he's wild from shortstop. What are you talking about? Long, you know, I get on the mound and I'm dotting, dotting corners, right? I was a fastball, fastball slider guy. People knew it was coming and I was a short arm guy that can put the ball in pretty good locations uh, and did well. You asked the question of, was it a mental thing? And I think it was, right? The skill was there. You know, I took a year off the ball because, you know, my surgery and I get back on the bump all through, all through, uh, you know, our we have winter training, we get through spring, everything's fine. It looks fantastic. I get on the bump and again, it's almost like I, I woke up in, in a different body. Like, who the hell am I? It's almost like my confidence was, was, was you know, at an all time low, right? Again, here I am, you know, Mr. Captain, Mr. Senior Year, this is your shine. Coach is riding on me, runs me out against Clemson, number four team in the country, opening night. And here I go, you know, part of my French, but I shit the bed, right? And, and it was uh, it ha- it, nothing but mental. I was 100% prepared physically. Obviously not prepared mentally, right? But I had everything there. I had everything. I, on paper, it was fine, right? And, I, I, and again, I, I have to take that back and say years, years later after I go through this sadness time of, wow, that was probably the best thing that could have happened in my life at that time to teach me one of the biggest lessons of you're not that good. You think you are. Yes, you can do everything, everything possible. You can show up on time. You can lead everyone. You can help the freshmen. You can help, the, help everyone. But you know what? It may not be your time to shine, take a step back and be the coach, right? So my entire senior season, don't get me wrong, my coach kept running me out, but it came to a point where I got my job taken by a freshman, uh, Sam Delaplane, if you want, if you listen to this dude, I'm rooting for you. He's still playing today. So hopefully he makes it to the big 40 man, but either which way, kids coming out though in 96, 97 takes my spot. And that was the time in my life. I think it was Christian, you're going to transition. You're not going to be the all-star on the field anymore. You're going to coach and you're going to make sure these young kids have the same opportunity that you did, which I think, you know, Brett, if I'm thinking deeply, really carried me on till, till this very moment. I, you know, it was something that I, very hard to learn, but it was a great experience. Yeah. I love how you just connected those dots in real time, because that's literally what I was hoping to get from this entire thing. And for people to hear Mm -hmm. is that had that not happened, you probably would have just continued on whether into professional sports or continued into your solar or sales career or whatever and just continue to be that guy just outselling everybody and just one man show but now from one lesson in college from a failure now here you are as a vp of a almost nine billion dollar solar company taking those same lessons and now pushing them out throughout the entire country in a different capacity so yeah. really really cool fucking story man I appreciate that, Brett. I, you know, I, I think that's right, man. I think that I ultimately would have probably made that mistake later in life. It would have been much bigger and much worse. And who's to say that I would have ever recovered from it. So uh, I'm very thankful for that, for that time in my life. Yeah, man, that's cool. And I appreciate you being so vulnerable, man. This is how we connect with a whole bunch of people. So getting to the point, getting to the point now where you got your surgery, right? Now you're stepping back a bit more of a coaching, not really that top guy, so to speak, which humbling experience. Take us through to how you get into business, how you get into door to door. How does somebody go, how does somebody go from a prospect for the pros potentially to knocking on doors? That sounds like a fall from grace if I've ever heard one. Yeah. So, so a couple of bits of transition there. So after that, uh, I go actually go work at uh, the Madison Mallards, man. It's a big, uh, big ball team in in the, uh, in, in Madison, Wisconsin. In baseball, you play in what's called summer league, right? Everyone goes off to a league. You have the Cape Cod, you have the Northwoods League, and the Northwoods is known for 
you know, one of the top leagues for most attendance. You know, we had 70 games in 73 days. Uh, at our peak, we'd have 7,000 fans at home games. So I'm going there, I'm working in ops, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm making okay money, right? But at that time, I realized, like, you know, I was fresh out of college. Any bit of money was good for me. I was happy, right? It was like 36, on, on pace for 36,000 bucks. Uh, look, I was happy that I can get double steak at Chipotle and maybe a little guac if I wanted it. I, I could live wild, right? Um, not, not knowing what the true value of either m money was. Remember, I grew up in a military household. We didn't have lavish things. I n was never without, but was never, uh, I wasn't driving a Mercedes Benz when I was in high school, right? At Honda sure. Civic. Um, but either which way, did that, worked there, um, realized that, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm worth a little bit more. And weirdly enough, you know, this guy, Ryan Gibbs, actually works at Sunrise at Run Right Now, one of our, one of our, uh, one of our, one of our great managers here. He uh, ended up becoming friends with him back in 2010, right, before I, before, way before I graduated. Either which way, he would always hit me up every summer to say, hey, come out and knock doors, come out and knock doors. He was at Vivint, Vivint, uh, Vivint Inc. for the longest time. And every single summer, I'd give him the same BS excuse. I had baseball. Like you play baseball all year round. You don't, you don't go work, but I would send him a couple of friends, right? Hey, go work here. Go work here. one of the names comes to mind, Benair Covington, one of the, one of the, you know, great guys in the industry now was one of my first recruits while I was still in college, had no clue that there was any, you know, tangible financial attachment to sending good people into the industry, either which way, send them over fast forward to I'm graduating, have my first job. I reach back out. He, you know, he still reached out every summer and I say, Hey, you know, I, I think I'm ready now. You know, you know, I, uh, was working a job, was living in an apartment. I don't know if he'll remember the story, but I say, uh, you know, we were talking about it, talking about the transition. And I say, Hey, I, you know, I need, I need $4,000 to move. Uh, I'm in an apartment. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm working. I, if you want me to come to Indiana, Indiana, I need 4,000 bucks. He calls me back later that night, you know, after conversation, this at the other, and he says, I can do it. I'm like, for me, I'm thinking, Brett, you know, if you're making two, three, four hundred thousand dollars, that's doctor lawyer money. There's no way in hell you're making that door to door, right? My my small mindset, I had no clue. And here he is, summer after summer, I'm making two hundred, three hundred, four hundred. I'm like, yeah, right, dude. So back to hey, I need four thousand bucks. Hey, if you got that much money, what's four thousand bucks to you? Calls me back, I can do it. I say, look, thank you. I don't need it. I'll be there tomorrow. Right. I just wanted him to, I just wanted him to put his money where his mouth was. If you really had all this money, cool. Bet on me. You think I'm going to be that good, whatever it may be, bet on me. So never took any money from the guy. Um, get out to Indiana, Indiana uh, next day. Dude, I get out there. It's, it's funny. He tells me what to wear. I show up. I see, I, I get out to hood, see him in the home seat, watch himself first one. And I, I say to him, Hey, can, can I go and sell? Can I, I don't know the, the paperwork, but if I get in a home, can you just come do the paperwork? Uh, my first door I missed, my second door I sold, my third door I sold. He came out and sold both of them. I Look, Brad, I, it, this was a crazy, I, this is crazy. I have no clue. I think I got super lucky to the point that I go back to the apartment that night, okay, where we're all, we're, we're all bunked up in the house. You know what it was like back in alarms. I go back and uh, I ask everybody, I point to him, I said, hey, what was your pitch? He tells me the pitch. I point to the next guy, hey, what was your pitch? Tells me the pitch. What do you know? It's the same exact pitch, okay? They bageled on the day. I got two. Here I am thinking I am the luckiest guy on the planet. How the hell did I stumble upon two people who want alarm systems from me at Protection One Security Solutions, right? That happens. Brett, if I, if, if I didn't tell you this, I would be a disservice. I thought for like the first two to three months, I was getting lucky every day. I, I genuinely thought I was getting lucky every day. I had no clue that there was any skill to it. I had no, I was just reading the pitch, 
working the hours and I genuinely thought I got lucky every single day. Fast forward, I do that for two years. Um, I get, you know, I end up leading a couple of offices. Uh, I, get, I get some teams handed to me, right? Wasn't a big recruiter. Recruited a fair amount of people in, but not as much as I probably should have. Probably got that handed to me, to be honest with you. Um, fast forward to 2015 when ADT buys Protection One. ADT buys Protection One, which then forces me to look elsewhere. You know, at that time, Steve Zolman was like, hey, no, you're fine. Everything's going to be good. Pay scales changed drastically, right? I end up looking elsewhere. I go sit down with, uh, man, this is crazy, Doug Robinson over at, uh, over at Legacy. BJ Savage was there at the time. Um, and and I'm, I'm, I love, I'm loving Legacy. I'm like, man, this is awesome. Keep in mind, I'm coming from P1, door-to-door sales. You're in an apartment, run your meetings, this, that, the other. I sit down. Uh, with Josh Williams and Derek Lynn, uh, Derek, Derek Lenino was there, didn't sit down with him, sat down with Josh Williams over at Trinity Solar, okay? Uh, that happens. Long story short, my guy Brandon Farugirod is the one who got me over to Trinity Solar, right? He says, hey, you're talking to Vivint Inc., you're talking to Legacy, Legacy Power, come sit down with, uh, you know, Trinity. I'm like, hey, whatever, I'll fly out, I'll get a free steak dinner. Fly out there, uh, I get sold on the dream. Look, I fall in love with this place, fall in love with the leaders, and ultimately I commit to Josh Williams. I'm like, hey, this is a, you're an amazing leader, you know, pass all the recruiting conversations, this, that, the other, go out there. Start in Southern Jersey, uh, in Southern Jersey market, moved to, moved to Brigantine, New Jersey. Start with six guys in the Southern Jersey market. Uh, we build it to 30 guys within three months, installing 100 deals, uh, which is crazy. And, you know, Brett, all I knew was the alarm hustle, right? All I know is that I'm going to work from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. I'm going to work as hard as I possibly can. And uh, if I put in the work, it's going gonna, it's gonna to yield some, some pretty amazing results. So, uh, you know, by, by, by luck and some, some, great, some great people surrounding me and some amazing support, my wife and, you know, my, all, all of my, uh, my friends that I brought into the business, I end up installing a megawatt in about six months. So that fast forwards us to about, you know, 2000, early 2016, where I end up becoming the senior vice president of Trinity Solar. I uh, led that for quite a while. When I, when I first got there, we had, man, I think we were doing about $70 million in revenue. Uh, when I resigned this past April, we were doing, you know, well over $300 million in revenue. So not to say that that was all responsible, you know, all, all of my, all of my accolades, but at the end of the day, I, you know, I think I had an amazing team that I was surrounded with and was able to do some amazing things at an amazing company. So yeah, that kind of you puts for, us to, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. You, you for sure were, man. I mean, I just, I just want to recap on one thing here because dude, when I think of you, I think of leadership and, and I'm taking notes here on some of the stuff you're talking through just so I can make sure we cover a lot of these points. But my question to you is you sat down with some heavy hitters, right? Legacy, some of these other companies when it was time to make a transition after they got bought out. What was it about, what did you initially see in the leadership at Trinity and those guys over there that made you want to commit to them as opposed to some of those other companies that like, why did you make that choice? It's a really good question. It was a part of my, my recruiting pitch for the longest time. You know, I, I felt as if there was a place that I could be forever, right? I, I felt that it was a place that I could build on concrete, not quicksand. You know, I, when I went and met with all these other companies, not to say, I mean, Legacy is an amazing company. Living Inc. is an amazing company. But my thoughts at the time, right? My thoughts of the industry, I was used to, again, meeting in, meeting in apartments, meeting in hotels. That's what I knew the alarm industry to be, the Utah Valley company S to be. I had no clue what it really was. I fly out to, to Trinity, meet with Josh, this amazing guy, smooth talker, knows how to build, you know, knows all the right things to say and backed it all up when I was there, right? Just to say that. Um, I, I felt attracted to the senior leadership that was there, right? The, the, the CEO, Tommy Pollock, an amazing guy, right? At the time, I think he was like 58 years old, 57. Now, I was attracted to the mahogany desk, the, the, marble, the marble conference table. It felt like a real job to me, 
right? Whereas alarms, it felt like wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in this neighborhood, I'm in this town. Trinity felt like a true place that I could build, if that answers your question. No, it for sure does. So Trinity was the first glimpse of structure you really saw within the industry is what I'm getting. If, if, if you were to pinpoint it, absolutely. That's exactly what I'm trying to get to, right? It felt yeah. as if there was a good structure, good foundation, good good verticals for us to actually, us, me and my people to actually grow into. Yeah, you hit it right on the nose. And now fast forward, right? Now you're over at Sunrun, which just acquired Vivint Solar, where I started my career back in 2013. And from what I know about the industry, and I'd love for you to expand on this, it feels like now I'd imagine just knowing your mindset and knowing you as a person, this is the best of both worlds, right? It has the structure, but it also still has that old school. Initially, I got into door to door, great culture. We're going to have a ton of fun type vibes, right? Is that why you made, is, is that, is that accurate? 10,000%. I mean, Brett, you go back to when you and I met, right? When you were leading in Long Island with Trinity, right? A fantastic guy for us. Loved meeting with you. Loved your mindset. And you would always share with me, Hey, I learned a lot of great things from, from, from Vivint. You always expressed, you know, you've always had a great experience at all the companies that you've come from. But for me, being in the Northeast with, with Vivint Solar being in my backyard, I only heard negative things. I only heard negative things about the leaders. I only heard that, you know, the competitions and this, that it was almost this, this, this uh, smoke and mirrors game, right? That when you get there, it's not really like that. And the leadership isn't really that great. And when I was, you know, open-minded enough to have a, the conversation with, you know, some of the leaders out here, I realized that, oh my gosh, this is, this is, like you said, the best of not only both worlds, but all worlds. You have the comp- you have the platform, the competitions, the system, uh, the people, the leadership, the company. It, it, it's unmatched. And I'm still, I wake up every day super grateful to be in this situation, not only for myself, but more importantly, the, leader, the leaders and the people that I've been able to show this opportunity to. It, it's, it's nothing short of amazing. Keep in mind, I've, you know, I've been knocking doors for eight years now, been with Trinity for the past six. And you know, I, would, you know, I would always say this in my recruiting pitch, if I thought there was a better place to be, I would be there. And I'm so grateful and honored that I was able to at least open my mind and say, holy crap, this company's, it's freaking amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. So what's it like now, right? And, and this might come off a little bit, whatever. I'm going to say it anyway, though. You yeah. were, you know, I, I think at some level, you were the smartest person in the room in certain ways at a previous company. And I think mm-hmm. now you're working alongside some people that are better than you in certain ways, which is yeah. power amount for growth. What's it like to be working in rooms with guys like Adam McCullen, Ty Williams, Jordan Williams, Dave Madsen, Mike Brand? Like, what is like that is such an important piece of your future development because you were already top notch. But I, I can't even imagine what it's like now when you walk into a room and you got those guys around you. What is that doing for you? Jeez, I get I'm getting goosebumps and I'm like smiling ear to ear. I don't know if people can't see us, but I'm smiling ear to ear because. You're so right. And I can say it with confidence. You know, I was in a recruiting, recruiting meeting just last week with a super stud out of the, you know, from the West Coast. And I said, hey, you know what's awesome? I'm not the best person that you're going to meet at this company. I, I, you know, I, Brad, I pride myself in being one of the better recruiters in the country, but there's better than me, right? You said it, Ty, you got Jordan, you got Adam, you got Daryl. Let's not name, okay, let's not forget to name Chance Allred. Paul Dixon, these guys that have been in the industry for years while I was just learning, it, it's almost like, you know, I, when I was training for uh, the, you know, a tri, uh, you know, tri train, triathlon training, you know, you, I had to like relearn how to swim the right way, right? I was, can swim a whole life, but I had to learn how to technically swim. And it's almost like I'm learning how to technically run this business now, right? I've learned a lot of things at my prior company. I had a fantastic experience there, 
but being surrounded around being surrounded around these greats that have been in the industry for 10, 15, 20 years that have been there, done it, doing it again, still doing it. It's fantastic to learn from them. So I feel like an infant in this, in, in this industry again, because I can continuously learn, right? I'm excited every day to have different conversations with our people. And more importantly, I'm excited for our people. I felt as though almost if like I, I hit this ceiling of, I can't grow anymore, right? We can read as many books as we want. But at the end of the day, I want some, I want some, I want some real time, real time in the game knowledge. I want to know what's going on. And I feel like these past seven months of my life being here at Sunrun, it's been like a crash course, like a crash masterclass on Solar 101 again, right? And keep in mind, I've been doing this for the past six years. So I feel, I feel as if my cup is refilled and I can pour back into my leaders tenfold because of the decision that I made months back, right? So does that answer your question? Very much so. And in a lot of ways, man, I don't know if you see it this way, but just hearing it from an outside perspective, to me, this transition for you is repeating itself in a certain way from what happened to you with baseball. Yeah, like absolutely. Absolutely. Right. You go, you go through this phase of, right. Not, not failure. Right. Cause I had a great, great left on, left on fantastic terms, but almost like, um, you have a, you have a, a new reinvigorated way to look at the business, right? You have a different way to see this. Yes. You know, I can be on all the posters. I can be on all the, all the, all the videos, every single competition. It's all about Christian. I, and, and here it's nothing about me, right? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm at a place where it's much bigger than who I am or who I could ever be. And I can really appreciate that. I can appreciate that because that means that they'll continue to pour in me, right? I, you know, I sat down with, with Lynn Jurek, uh, you know, one of my first recruiting meetings here, and I meet this amazing, powerful woman who essentially created our industry, right? That's powerful. Don't get me wrong. There's amazing leaders out there, but to get, get that, and that's only one piece of the pie. That's only one piece of the leadership that I have access to at this company. It's a, it's a, it's a unlimited source of knowledge, right? Either way, it's funny, Ty, Ty Williams actually just walked by. But you look at guys like that, it's unlimited conversations, right? Here at corporate, you can sit down with Ty, Chance, Jordan, uh, Mary, our new CEO, anybody that you want, they're walking up and down the hallways. And that's, the, that's the, the, the library of resources or knowledge that I get to pick from. I'm, I'm humbled. Yeah, look, it, 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 took, it takes a lot to be able to, one of my favorite quotes is, in order to lead the, lead the orchestra, you have to be willing to turn your back to the crowd. Right. And mm. that's, that's exactly what you really had to do because from the outside, dude, looking at where you were at Trinity, when I first met you being the guy that was made out to be the hero of the entire company, right? Like there's only so much you could have done on your own. And you consciously had to make the choice just like in baseball to say, you know what? It's my time to coach. It's my time to get poured into so I can be the leader that I keep being for people, right? Like that takes a big person to make that decision. What 100%. You know, one of my favorite quotes is if you want to build a ship, don't drum up people to collect wood and don't assign them task and work, but rather teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea, right? When you think of things like that, it's also almost in my last position that, you know, I was just recruiting and recruiting and recruiting and here's a job, here's a job, here's a job. But I wasn't necessarily teaching them all things to make their game better than not only what, 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 what they can currently be, but better than what I could ever be, right? And I truly feel that, you know, that we are in, I am in a position right now that there, it, is, it is very possible that one of my regional directors, one of my managers can one day grow bigger than me. And that makes me so damn happy that they'll truly have the exact same opportunity I had. And if they're the best man, the best woman, that they can truly have my job here in the future solely because of the unlimited resources they have access to here at Sunrun. So yeah, thanks for hitting on that. 
I love it, man. Final question for you. You just became a dad not too long ago, right? Oh, the most, the, the best day of my life, Brett. I, I, I know we talked before that, you know, you, you would like to have kids one day in the future. It is the best possible thing that could ever happen to a man or a woman. My son's uh, two, he turned two this past August. Um, look, you, you know, you hear all these stories of, you know, oh, this is what it's like to be a dad. This is what it's like to, to do this. And you'll never truly know what it's like. And I don't say that to, you know, talk down or any, bitch way, any, any which way. I say that to say, you are in for the biggest treat or anyone listening, you are in for the biggest treat and challenge of your entire life, right? The, the second that my son was born, not only watching my wife be this superwoman of a person to give birth to this child, you hold this, you hold this little boy and you say, oh my gosh, every single piece of advice or every, every, every story I've heard or every, every hardship I've heard from a father, it all makes sense right now. It's like the world's, the world centers on this one little human being and it's it's brett it's better than any accomplishment i've ever had it's bigger than any challenge i've ever faced and it makes me happier than any it makes me happier than the most happiest moment in my life because that's it that that is the most happiest moment of my life and it's not just my son it's also my wife it's watching this family come together so anyone listening out there i encourage you like hey works great works awesome yes lead lead first so you can put your family in a really good position but at the end of the day it's all about family this is this is this is the one thing that can uh, grow you faster and quicker than anything is making sure you put your family first to make sure that they can support you uh, through any of your ventures going forward so thanks for bringing that up love it so tie it all together for us just to close out here coming on that hour mark the decisions that you've made right it's like being able to give up to go up how do you think that's really set you up now to be that father that you want to be? Because again, you had to make a lot of unselfish decisions to get to where you are today. And unquestionably, that's going to make you a better father. Right. It's tough. It's tough to have the discernment as to what decisions you need to make in order to progress yourself, not only personally, uh, but professionally as well. Right. It's very important to surround yourself with good people who have been there and done that and who you can lean on for really good experience. Right. Don't be scared to let people know that you don't know what you're doing or you don't know what you don't know. Right? I think that us, we pride ourselves as really good leaders. And at times we get in this, this circular situation of, no, I know exactly what to do. Right. Brett. And if, you, if anyone takes from anything in this entire podcast, I think more importantly, it's be a student of the game, be okay. Being a rookie where you are knowing that you will grow, right. Being vulnerable enough to let the leader know, or the person beside, you know, that I don't know what I'm doing. I really need your help. And ultimately, Brett, I think it's going to, uh, you know, Really propel people forward and put them in the situation that they ever they 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 they've longed to be in because they're putting those situations first. If that makes sense. No, I love it, and I think we just throughout this conversation, just with that closing remark, man, I think you did an excellent job at closing the loop and tying this all together. And ultimately, I never do this, but I think honestly, the title of this one, just for me, because I think through all this in real time, is you're the perfect example of what it looks like to make the decision to give up to go up. And that's exactly what you've now done over and over again throughout your career. And I, I hope you understand that because you can't read the label when you're in the jar. And the, the thing mm -hmm. I love most about having these conversations with high level leaders such as yourself is I feel like I, I see things in certain people that they don't see in themselves in certain ways because it's your story. So that was my point of putting this together for people and connecting not just this industry, but the community and network in general of people that I've been fortunate enough to meet is that's the power in all of this community, making the decision to be part of things that are bigger than yourself and knowing that that's the, that's how you can impact the most people because we all don't have the answers, but collectively we're pretty freaking smart. 
And that's what I'm trying to get people to understand. So any closing remarks, anything you want to close out on? And then just if you could, as a segue, where can people find you on social media if they want to connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. Brett, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for, for, for taking, the, taking one of the biggest steps that you could in regards to connecting leaders of different industries. You know, Brett, I've listened to all your podcasts up till now. And what you've done is you've done something powerful that most people can't do, right? Give up to go up. And I think that you are the perfect example along with it. I'm super humbled to share this topic with you because you are the poster child of what it takes to get it done. Brett, you are an amazing human being. I look forward to hearing the rest of your podcast. Uh, for those out there, if you want to follow me on social media, my name is Christian Calabuso. You can find me on Instagram. It's kcalabuso7. Find me on there. Brett, keep rocking, my man. You're a rock star. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Hope you, hopefully you enjoyed this episode of the Grow to Gold podcast. If you're not yet subscribed, please make sure you hit that button so you never miss another episode. And we look forward to seeing you next time on the podcast. Have a great day, and we'll see you soon.